We are at a brink between democracy and dictatorship if we ignore checks and balances. Sing it, Congresswoman. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why I came I here. I got the feeling there's something right. No, it is not. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids, WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF, and many other fine affiliates blanketing planet Earth five days a week. We're also streaming on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, still swell, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. (laughs) It's one of those days, and it looks like today. It looks like today is the day, at least according to South Carolina's Lindsey Graham, that Donald Trump has made himself subject to impeachment. Article 3 of impeachment against Richard Nixon, the article was based on the idea that Richard Nixon, as president, failed to comply with subpoenas of Congress. Congress was going through its oversight function to provide oversight of the president. When asked for information, Richard Nixon chose not to comply, and the Congress back in that time said, you're taking impeachment away from us. You're becoming the judge and jury. It is not your job to tell us what we need. It is your job to comply with the things we need to provide oversight over you. The day Richard Nixon failed to answer that subpoena is the day that he was subject to impeachment because he took the power from Congress over the impeachment process away from Congress and he became the judge and jury. Well, there you go. It sounds like 1998 Lindsey Graham has just made a very compelling argument for the impeachment of Donald Trump. Of course, that was then-Representative, now-Senator Lindsey Graham, arguing for the impeachment of then-President Bill Clinton back in December of 1998. But if we take uh, Lindsey Graham seriously, and as you know, we always do here at the broadcast, <laughs> then uh, if we take him seriously, then I guess today is the day 
the day that Trump is now subject to impeachment because he took the power of impeachment away from Congress by failing to turn over all documents, becoming the judge and jury, just as 1998 Lindsey Graham said. Right, Desi Doyen? Oh, yes. And good day. Hello. Uh, you holding up all right? Ah. Okay. Yes. Well, President Donald Trump formally asserted executive privilege on Wednesday in an effort to shield currently hidden portions of Robert Mueller's unredacted report and the evidence that he collected from Congress. This effectively means for now that the entire Mueller report, all of its redacted portions, all of its underlying evidence, including witness interviews and investigator notes, all of it is being blocked from release to Congress by the president of the United States, who just happens to be the subject of that report. Nice scam if you can pull it off. And if anybody can pull off such a scam, it would be the scammer-in-chief, Donald Trump. But uh, from the American uh, king of scam artists, none of this, frankly, should come as a surprise at this point, even as, in truth, it is still stunning and breathtaking and precisely the constitutional crisis that we have been warning about for so long and that Ted Kahlo, the former general counsel for the House Judiciary Committee, told us last week on this program that we are already in the middle of. It can't be understated that we're in a constitutional crisis and uh, we're trying to respond to things that were we've, we never expected to occur from a president of the United States and um, that makes it all very troubling and unpredictable. Troubling and unpredictable indeed, and frankly confusing because nobody really knows what is going on here. Not the administration, who is making this up as they go along with the whims of a mercurial, wildly unfit criminal scam artist who conned his way into the White House, and not the Democrats in Congress who are trying to respond to it and certainly nobody in the media, myself included, uh, who are all we are all similarly flying by the seats of our pants, trying uh, simply to understand all of this, much less explain it to the American people who are similarly confused. So if this is all troubling to you, good, it should be. If you are confused by it, don't feel bad. We all are, frankly, uh, but we will keep trying to make sense of it on the fly. And we will be joined by Heather Digby Parton shortly, who I frequently turn to whenever I get really confused. So me, we may be talking to her quite a bit uh, in the weeks ahead, uh, quite frequently. Yeah, I mean, this is this is unprecedented territory. I mean, we've been through things that are similar, but not like this. Not like this. Uh, the assertion of executive privilege today over the entire Mueller report this is Trump's use of, of of those particular secrecy powers as president. And and by the way, they are powers, but they are not really written into law or stone. Uh, they're, they're not really statutory. They're just sort of uh, they have been claimed over the years and sometimes respected by courts, other times not. In any event, it's Trump's first time using them, and uh, it comes as the House Judiciary Committee voted on Wednesday to recommend the House of Representatives hold General William, Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress for defying a lawful congressional subpoena for that same material. According to The New York Times, uh, the House Judiciary Committee has now voted to hold 
Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress, escalating the legal battle with the Trump administration over access to the Mueller report. The committee voted 24 to 16 along party lines to hold Barr in contempt after the DOJ rejected House Democrats' demands for the full Mueller report and its underlying evidence, which led the House Judiciary Chair Gerald Nadler uh, to say the uh, committee had to act because Trump is creating a, quote, constitutional crisis, just as we have been telling you. So the uh, Justice Department official, uh, Stephen Boyd, this was kicked off on Wednesday morning, Uh, He wrote to the House Judiciary Committee, quote, this is to advise you that the president has asserted executive privilege over the entirety of the subpoenaed materials. Referencing not only the Mueller report, but the underlying evidence that House Democrats uh, have been seeking. Democrats on the committee and others have accused the attorney general of stonewalling a legitimate request for material that they need to carry out an investigation into possible obstruction of justice and abuse of power by Donald Trump, as detailed in the even in the redacted version of that uh, 448 page report that Trump Trump's AG allowed for release, the redacted version, which details multiple repeated attempts by the president to unlawfully obstruct justice by trying to, among other things, end the probe itself, to lie about it, to change its mission, to create false documents and otherwise violate the law by enlisting others in his administration, such as the uh, then White House counsel Don McGahn and then Attorney General Jeff Sessions to do the same thing. Committee Democrats, according to The New York Times, did not take kindly to the department's threat to block all materials needed for their constitutionally mandated oversight of the executive branch, including of the president of the United States. Democratic House Judiciary Chair Nadler late on Tuesday said in the coming days, I expect the Congress will have no choice but to confront the behavior of this lawless administration. And he vowed that the committee will also take a hard look at the officials who are enabling this cover up, as he described it. In a no longer shocking uh, up is down, black is white, night is day response, accusing Democrats of doing what the president and the administration itself are doing. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders released a blistering statement charging that, yes, get this, quote, faced with Chairman Nadler's blatant abuse of power, The president has no other option than to make a protective assertion of executive privilege. Wow. It is Nadler who is uh, carrying out a blatant abuse of power, according to the White House. The committee vote and Trump's assertion of privilege, of course, is now a major escalation in this battle between uh, congressional Democrats and the president. As NBC News describes, uh, members of the Judiciary Committee were expected to spend Wednesday discussing their resolution to hold Barr in contempt, uh, which they eventually did, as well as uh, voting to support a 27-page report in which Democrats raised the prospect of impeachment, finally, as a result of their investigation relating to the Mueller probe. Well, what took you so long, Democrats? 
In his opening remarks, Chairman Nadler, who has frankly been maddeningly cautious and slow moving in his often too reasonable attempts to find an accommodation with the DOJ and the White House over the past three months on all manner of things, uh, Nadler stressed that the materials requested and then finally subpoenaed by the committee were no different than those that have been requested and subpoenaed by Congress from administrations going back for decades. Today, we consider a report recommending that the House of Representatives hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress for defying a valid subpoena issued by this committee. This is not a step we take lightly. It is the culmination of nearly three months of requests, discussions, and negotiations with the Department of Justice for the complete unredacted report by Special Counsel Mueller into Russian interference in the 2016 election, along with the underlying evidence. In response to our latest good faith offer, the Department abruptly announced that if we move forward today, it would ask President Trump to invoke what it refers to as a protective assertion of executive privilege on all of the materials subject to our subpoena. Just minutes ago, it took that dramatic step. Besides misapplying the doctrine of executive privilege, since the White House waived these privileges long ago, and the department seemed open to sharing these materials with us just yesterday, this decision represents a clear escalation in the Trump administration's blanket defiance of Congress constitutionally mandated duties. Let me be clear. The information we request, we are requesting is entirely within our legal rights to receive and is no different than from what has been provided to Congress on numerous occasions going back nearly a century. You know, uh, his remarks remind me quite a bit of what Lindsey Graham had to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, in those uh, opening remarks we shared with you. But, you know, I'm reminded because I I, foc I tend to focus more on Trump's lawless behavior, his criminal obstruction of justice that's detailed in this report. Much of it, most of the redacted portions uh, regard the allegations of Russian interference in a presidential election. Now, if even if you are a GOP apologist for Trump's law breaking and even if you buy into Attorney General Bill Barr's absurd argument that there <clears throat> cannot be obstruction of justice, if the investigation that was obstructed did not reveal that the obstructor in question committed the underlying crime that was being investigated, you know, which we also uh, can't know one way or another, by the way, without looking at the underlying and redacted portions. But even if you buy that argument, you buy Barr's even more absurd argument that a president has the right to shut down any investigation he wants if he, quote, sincerely believes that he didn't do anything wrong. Even if you buy all of that nonsense, half or more of this investigation was about a foreign nation interfering in our last presidential election. You would think that both Democrats and Republicans would give a damn about that and want to get to the bottom of it at least get to the bottom of that part. But with these Republicans, remarkably enough, apparently not. They are totally cool with not finding out how and if a presidential election was interfered with and, yes, possibly stolen by a foreign country. That's just fine with them. 
Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, in a, a show of uh, rare bipartisanship, we learned on Tuesday that actually the uh, Democratic Intelligence Committee chair, Adam Schiff, and the ranking Republican member of that committee, Congressman Devin Nunes, one of Trump, Trump's uh, top supporters and apologists and cover-up artists in the uh, U.S. House, they indicated in a letter sent last month to Bill Barr that they are willing to subpoena the Trump administration for the underlying intelligence materials from Mueller's investigation. The letter was signed by both men sent to Bill Barr and Deputy AG Rod Rosenstein and FBI Director Chris Wray in late April. And they said that if they didn't get that information by May 2nd, to, and, and or an agreement to engage, quote, in good faith cooperation <clears throat> that uh, the committee would resort to a, quote, compulsory process. Now, they have not yet done that in the Intelligence Committee. But that came from a letter from both uh, the, the Democratic chair and the Republican ranking member Nunes. So th- it's not entirely Democrats who are calling for uh, something to be done here. At least it wasn't back in April. So does that mean that uh, Trump's favorite uh, apparatchik in the House, uh, Devin Nunes, is also exercising a blatant abuse of power, as Huckabee Sanders described it? Why hasn't the DOJ or White House responded to him? They haven't responded at all to that query. In any event, back in the Judiciary Committee, now that they have signed off on the contempt resolution, That will now go to a vote in the full House, the timing of which will be up to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, who said for the first time today, speaking at a Washington Post event, that the attorney general, quote, should be held in contempt, something that she had declined to weigh in on as recently as Tuesday. But now with this invocation of executive privilege, I guess she's changed her mind there. She also offered some other cryptic comments regarding impeachment, which I'll I'll try to play for you with uh, with Heather uh, uh, Parton shortly so I can ask her what the hell they mean. The department's decision to withhold subpoenaed documents and issue a declaration of executive privilege on behalf of the president reflects President Trump's blanket defiance of Congress that is constitutionally and his constitutionally mandated duties. As Nadler said, the Justice Department's letter said that providing all the materials requested by Democrats would put ongoing investigations at risk. And in the case of grand jury material, quote, force the department to ignore existing law and that the assertion of privilege would be consistent with past administration practices. Nadler disagreed. He said this is how this is not how executive privilege works. In his statement uh, that he issued on Tuesday night, the White House, he says, waived those privileges long ago. Uh, You'll recall that yesterday we noted that the Department of Justice had reached out to Nadler for a meeting on Tuesday to try and reach an accommodation, which the chair said he was all too happy to try and do. But faced with the scheduled contempt vote on uh, against Barr on Wednesday, the DOJ apparently decided to go in a different direction by blocking all accommodation with the committee. Now, whether that decision came before or after the New York Times' uh, blockbuster investigative article that was published late Tuesday exposing data from Donald Trump's tax returns over a decade from 
1985 to 1994, showing that he personally lost more than a billion dollars over that decade, as much or more than uh, reportedly any other individual in the nation. Uh, Whether these two events are related is uh, unclear. Uh, I have a feeling it may have put him in a bad mood, however, for some reason. Uh, But that's just speculation on my part. We'll ask Digby about that as well. Uh, Nadler continued in his statement late on Tuesday to say the Justice Department's legal arguments are without credibility, merit, or a legal or factual basis. To accuse Nadler uh, or the Democrats of strong-arming the DOJ uh, or the White House is, of course, absurd on its face, much less as the White House uh, did today accuse them of a a blatant abuse of power. Nadler has been uh, trying and trying to find an accommodation with the DOJ. He has sent letter after letter. NBC notes that Nadler uh, requested a meeting with the DOJ five times over the past six weeks. Now, it should be noted here that when Republicans controlled the House in 2012, they voted to hold President Barack Obama's attorney general, Eric Holder, in contempt over the administration's failure to turn over documents related to the so-called Fast and Furious scandal. We played a bit of audio of those Republicans in the House back then demanding the attorney general comply, insisting that neither the DOJ nor the attorney general were above the rule of law and the constitutional mandate of congressional oversight of the executive branch. And that they were going to vote for contempt against uh, Holder because, yes, He would not turn over certain documents that they had subpoenaed from him. But, you know, because the hypocrisy is just incredible that they may not, you know, realize that we actually recorded those things way back when. But some of the things they played uh, or they, they said that we played yesterday sound almost exactly like what we heard today in the House Judiciary Committee from Democrats there as Republicans, incredibly, were making excuses for Trump and Barr's behavior here. For example, uh, here was Washington State Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, Democrat, arguing for a vote of contempt against the attorney general, which could have been ripped from the Republican pages from 2012. Mr. Chairman, this is definitely not a game. This is one of the most serious moments our democracy has faced. And it is a test. It is a test against an administration that is continually disregarding Congress. An administration that seems to have no regard for checks and balances. It is unprecedented for a president to say that he will provide no cooperation with authorized subpoenas from Congress, no cooperation with witnesses coming to testify before Congress, and now just as we've seen in this letter, an unprecedented effort to exert executive privilege, sweeping executive privilege over the entire Mueller report. Mr. Chairman, this is a lawless administration. And I want to be clear that if the president refuses this request, refuses all subpoenas, refuses all witnesses, that affects every aspect of the American people's lives. It means that there is no oversight when the president seeks to strip health care away from millions of Americans. It means there is no oversight when this administration rips children away from their parents at the border. It means there is no oversight over the utilization of public 
power in the White House for personal gain. So, Mr. Chairman, let's be clear. We are at a brink of importance between democracy and dictatorship if we ignore checks and balances. And I fully support holding this attorney general in contempt for refusing to comply with constitutional foundations. That was Democrat Pramila Jayapal, a congresswoman from Washington State on uh, Wednesday when the uh, committee did, the House Judiciary Committee did, in fact, vote for contempt against the attorney general. Now, it's important to note here for many of the folks, including myself, who have been critical of the Democrats for not moving fast enough, not being strong enough in their investigations uh, and or moves towards impeachment. Well, I, you know, I, I share those frustrations. Uh, but Ted Kahlo's appearance on the show last week did make me rethink at least some of my criticism. It is worth noting that after Republicans found Attorney General Eric Holder in contempt in 2012, that A, it took two years for a federal judge to offer a finding on whether Holder was actually guilty of contempt. And by the way, Holder had turned over thousands of pages of documents. But uh, B, when that judge did make his finding uh, in 2014, that federal judge declined the committee's bid to hold Holder in contempt. So, as Kalo noted, the Democrats are not only trying to bring accountability here to this lawless administration, but they are also at the same time building a court case on all of these matters. So that, as Kalo noted, they'd be able to go to court and show the judge they did anything and everything they could to try to accommodate any and all concerns from this administration before they brought the hammer down with a vote of contempt. So to that end, I have some sympathy, as frustrating as it is, for what sometimes seems like the snail's pace at which Democrats are moving here. Though I, I will add that, yes, I think they should already be considering an impeachment inquiry at the very same time. That said, as uh, I've been arguing, impeachment at this point does seem inevitable, no matter what the Democrats try to do here at this point. Nancy Pelosi's cryptic remarks on the subject early on Wednesday notwithstanding. Let's figure out some of that, what it means, and uh, frankly, all of this. With Heather Digby-Parton of Salon and Digby's Hullabaloo, she joins us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. Well, welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. As usual, just trying to make sense of it all. The U.S. House Judiciary Committee has uh, voted today to hold Attorney General Bill Barr in contempt. That means that uh, recommendation for contempt will now move to a full vote in the House at some point. 
But in the meantime, I am just as uh, stunned, dazed, and confused probably as all of you today as we try to make sense of the extraordinary use of executive privilege by... The president of the United States, Donald Trump, to block the release of special counsel Robert Mueller's unredacted report and its underlying evidence investigating, yes, Donald Trump's own criminal behavior in obstructing this very investigation into his own campaign's cooperation with the alleged Russian attempt to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. Uh, that happened today as the U.S. House Judiciary Committee was voting on that resolution of contempt against Trump's attorney general, Bill Barr, uh, and his uh, DOJ, which have refused to turn over lawfully subpoenaed documents to the House Judiciary Committee as required for their constitutionally mandated oversight of the executive branch. And whenever I am... Uh, stunned and dazed and confused and trying to make sense of things, I lean pretty hard on my friend Heather Digby Parton, the award-winning opinion and analysis journalist from Salon and creator of the much-beloved Digby's Hullabaloo blog, to make sense of all of it for us since she always knows exactly what is going on. <laughs> No pressure, Heather. Welcome back to the broadcast. Oh, gosh, thanks. Thanks <laughs> thanks for having me, Brad. Well, the floor is yours. Explain. No, yeah. that's okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be a little kinder than that. Thank you. Um, before, actually, before we try to make sense of what's now happening here as our constitutional crisis appears heading over a cliff at this, uh, at this point at breakneck speed, uh, before, and before we get to what I want to ask you about Nancy Pelosi's comments today, this interesting twist of Republican Devin Nunes joining with Democrat Adam Schiff in the Intelligence Committee to jointly, I guess, threaten the subpoena or or contempt citation as well there. I need to ask, what, what do you make, what should we make, if anything, of the New York Times story finding that Donald Trump from 1984 to 1995, as he was touting himself as the world's greatest businessman, uh, th this was when his bestseller, Art of the Deal, was selling like hotcakes, that he actually lost more than a billion dollars as a businessman, according to the Times investigative report, looking at his uh, tax return data from those years. Uh, wh what do you make of that? What should we take from that? Well, taking that... First, the, uh, the tax return story. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really, you know, a blockbuster. It, it's extremely important for a couple of reasons. But, you know, the first is, is just let's just take what Trump's response to it was. Mm -hmm. Well, I was a real estate guy. We all did that. We, we you know, tried to hide our, our, uh, our profits and mm -hmm. claimed losses in order to not pay taxes. Well, at, he said that at a moment... When we're probably going to go to court to find out whether or not the Congress ha can obtain his tax returns, um, and based upon a law that was put into place, you know, back in the 1920s during the you know the go-go 20 years mm -hmm. and the uh, in the wake of the Teapot Dome scandal, when the Congress realized that they needed to have some mechanism to make sure that people like Andrew Mellon or perhaps Steve Mnuchin or perhaps Donald Trump weren't using the tax system to scam <laughs> the, the taxpayers. Mm -hmm. 
so that's the reason that law exists in the first place, and they're about to take it to court, and Trump just basically admitted that he's been dodging taxes. Now, we know that. He said it in the debates, but he just said it again. So this new, this new uh, story just raises that particular issue up to a level where they can now use that as a legal argument to say, look, the, you know, this is the original intent of the law, and we do have legislative reasons for looking at this. Maybe, you know, clearly we've got people who are cheating on their taxes so badly that they're claiming billion-dollar losses that they claim don't exist in order to avoid paying taxes. So, so maybe we need to change the laws here. So that's why we need to look at this. So, so you're so you're saying that the story actually from the New York Times actually helps the Democrats' case. I do. In, Absolutely. Uh, well, it, but as far as I can tell from that New York Times reports. Uh, it's it's embarrassing for Donald Trump. He lost a billion dollars over a decade, more than I think any any single other person in the country. But they're not alleging wrongdoing there. It doesn't look as if he broke the law in claiming those deductions, correct? Well, that's true. But we don't know. And by the way, Trump himself is saying, well... We were using all these loopholes mm-hmm. and what the tax, you know, like a tax shelters. He, I think, he even used that word. Um, and so, what that does is that gives a, a, you know, a legitimate legislative reason to look at how, you know, they might want to change the laws in order to prevent that from happening again, there even were... though it may have been legal at the time. Now, you know, of course, um, the bigger picture here is that it exposes Trump as the greatest liar and con man of all time. Um, he even at the time he was conning everyone. And in mm-hmm. fact, there's the, the the best <laughs> the best anecdote in it to me is the one where he spent two years staving off you know bankruptcy mm-hmm. by by conning the uh, you know investment bankers and, and brokers and various uh, you know big money boys in the in the uh, in the in the markets there in New York into believing that he was a corporate raider when he'd never done anything like that. So they were throwing money at him for a couple of years until they they finally started scratching their heads going, hey, you know what, this guy's not actually doing any corporate rating. Why, Why are we believing him? And it was all based on BS because he would go on TV or give interviews and just say, yeah, I'm going after such and such, you know, whatever the company's Yeah. And they all went, ooh, you know, Donald Trump is on it, you know. Well, and and the, and the, and stack uh, uh, the stock uh, uh, buyers were looking at it. He was yeah. running up the prices of these companies by saying, "Yeah, I think I'm going to take that uh, take over United Airlines." And United <laughs> Airlines stock would shoot through the roof on this notion, and then he would quietly sell all his stock at a <laughs> huge gain. And yet, even with all of that money, he still ended up figuring out how to lose tens of millions of dollars each year. I mean, and in fact, that story, the story says that if it hadn't been for that particular scam yeah. that went on for a couple of years, he would have gone broke much earlier. I mean, he has for years said that the, that the recession in the early 90s is what killed him. You know, golly, you know, everybody took a bath, and I was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was always nonsense. He was going broke, you know, before long that. before that, yeah. and just kind of dancing as fast as he could to, you know, keep the money churning, like all cons do you know i mean that's what they're always robbing peter to pay paul right yep, i mean yep. con men are doing that and that's what he was doing then he had the big you know downfall in the 90s and dragged himself back up solely through the help of his father's money we know that from the of uh, the earlier mm-hmm. story about about trump's finances i mean what this all tells us and you know to get to the politics of course i know that's mm-hmm. what we care about no his base does not care at all mm-hmm. they think he's the smartest guy in the world 
for being the greatest con man, and he became president of the United States in spite of all of that, and he lives in that gold apartment and has a model wife, and look at him, isn't he the greatest? Those people actually, they appreciate him yeah. for having been the greatest con man in the world because, you know, come on, we all pretty much knew it, right? They <laughs> aspire to that. Now, did that story, Heather, uh, m- moving to uh, today's story on, on executive <clears throat> privilege, uh, do you get the sense uh, that that story, because it was quite the blockbuster when it came out on Tuesday night, uh, and it was not long thereafter that uh, the White House and the DOJ uh, issued this order for executive privilege, blocking the pretty much the entirety now of the Mueller report. Uh, do, do, does does that does one story have to do with another? In other words, is he uh, uh, doing this today to move on from that embarrassing story yesterday? I'm sure that played a part. And the reason I know this is because apparently, according to the New York Times story, they've been talking to the White House about this for for some time. Mm. The White House knew the story was coming. So uh, you can probably look at a lot of the maneuvering over the last few days as having that in the background. And, and, Mm. you know, and Bill Barr, he's perfectly fine with doing whatever, you know, he's basically operating at this point as a PR um, specialist for the for the Trump White House, and so is perfectly happy to sort of probably wait until the last minute. And they, you know, they had that, you know, let's meet and see what we could do on Tuesday with the with the Democrats. Right. They they got together. That went nowhere. So I could see a lot of that being part of a damage control operation mm-hmm. and using it. But I, I also think that Barr always meant to do this. That he was going to claim this ridiculous executive privilege on the Mueller report, which is, you know, uh, they've, they've already been oh. waived. I mean, you know. Well, it was waived when, uh, w- you know, when the witnesses uh, went in and, uh, you know, Don McGahn and so forth, the executive privilege was waived. But even uh, uh, Bill Barr had said that they showed the report to the White House before they released the redacted right. version and that the, the White House uh, did not invoke executive privilege and but now they're doing so it's ridiculous <laughs> i mean they didn't they sent out you know they they released the report and it had all these redactions in it and they they told us why they redacted all of those pieces mm-hmm. in there grand jury material classified material then and Barr had this invented reason that he didn't want to harm people's reputations like don jr apparently was one mm-hmm. of them um but there was no executive privilege in that. I mean, they had their time to do that, and they didn't. They keep waving it over and over again, and then, you know, just apparently dropping it here at, in this instance. And I think a lot of this has to do, I mean, this is, this is a, a legal strategy on the part of the White House counsel, Emmett Flood and Pat Cipollini and Bill Barr. I mm-hmm. think they're all working together. There's no doubt that Bill Barr is working with the White House on this. He's not an independent, you know. Uh, voice in the Justice Department that they're working on this to try it. They are tr- going to try and delay everything as much as they possibly can to try to get into the election season. You know, in, in the, the strongly into the election season, oh. and then be able to say, "Hey, look, this is just wrong. You shouldn't be litigating this stuff, even in the Congress. It's not right. It's unfair." And try and 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 say that they can't do it. The, in the election will in the will middle of solve an election problem, right? Yeah. So they're going to they're going to use that excuse. Well. 
I should note, uh, Heather, that the Washington Post had reported that uh, even some attorneys in the White House were against this uh, strategy. And this was in regard to uh, blocking uh, Don McGahn, the former White House counsel, from turning over documents. And, and the paper noted that uh, Emmett Flood, who you mentioned there, one of the White House lawyers, uh, was notably absent from the uh, from the letters that were issued to block the documents and uh, presumably the testimony in a few weeks that was scheduled subpoenaed for uh, for Don McGahn. So there does seem to be inside the White House even some dispute about these tactics. And Emmett Flood will be uh, Washington Post reports that he will be leaving the White House uh, soon. So I'm what I'm trying to get at is, is this a negotiating tactic, this executive, this blanket executive privilege they issued? Is this a negotiating tactic or are we at the point where Donald Trump is simply saying enough and basically daring the Democrats to either go to court and or impeach him? I think it's the latter. I don't. I don't think there's any negotiating to be done. I mean, at this point, I think they're, they've pushed it so far, and I don't think the Democrats, on a political level, can afford to negotiate on you know anything less than seeing the whole report and anything. I mean, maybe they could on the whole report. I mean, it's possible that they could give on that a little. There's some areas, you know, obviously the classified stuff. They mm-hmm. could say, okay, we'll do that with the gang of eight, or you know, there's some ways they could get around that. But the testimony, I think that the reason that they've, they've claimed executive privilege on the whole report is part of their, their legal strategy to prevent the testimony by McGahn, by uh, his assistant who took all the notes, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Annie Donaldson, I guess is her name, right. just came to me. Um, you know, others that were involved in this, Rob Porter, and obviously Robert Mueller. Uh, they, they, they don't want this, and, and I think this is coming directly from Trump. I think he understands the power of these public hearings. So I mean, they he saw James Comey, he saw Michael Cohen. He yeah. knows how meaningful that is and how that could shift public opinion, even on the margins. You know, it doesn't take much. So essentially, if, they, uh, if he claims uh, executive privilege over the entire Mueller report and all of its underlying documents, its witness statements and so forth, that prevents anyone and everyone who participated in the uh, Mueller report when they didn't use it, when they didn't invoke executive privilege, that now would, if this holds, it would prevent them from uh, being able to testify, turn over documents, talk to uh, Congress at all at this point. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, obviously, that, I mean, it seems to me that that they don't, you know, that they can't, Bill Barr is a lot of things, but I don't think he's, He's stupid, and I think he understands that, that that part of it is just a delaying tactic, um, that they can't, you know, that it makes, literally makes no sense. I mean, I, maybe they could find a couple of the judges that they've just confirmed, people who, you know, the ABA mm-hmm. said were unqualified and who'd never held it, you know, bit well, yeah, inside but, of a courtroom. You know? yeah, maybe one of those judges would go along with them, but at the upper reaches, it's going to be very difficult to find a judge. Are, are, you, sh- are you sure of that? I'm I, not I, sure, I mean, no. I'm saying it, you know. Because maybe. he does, uh, you know, you, you may recall this little thing where they did steal the Supreme Court, yep. yeah. and he put yeah. a couple of ringers on there uh, for yep. him, and, uh, you know, because the question uh, occurs to me, Heather, that, you know, if it in fact, Trump is essentially daring the Democrats to either go to court and or impeach him. Well, in the courts, 
those are kind of rigged in his favor potentially here and he may think that's the case you know he said well let me just just yeah. point one thing out yeah. there. i agree with you and i ever since 2000 i have lost all faith that the supreme court would not act in a partisan mm-hmm. way if if they felt they really needed to do it yeah um but i will say one thing there is rumbling and i actually wrote about this for Solana a while back there's there's rumbling within Republican legal circles about this. Here's one example. John Yoo, mm-hmm. the architect of the torture regime during the Bush administration, mm-hmm. as far right as you can get, and a big believer in the unitary executive theory, he's one of the guys who believes in it. I mean, unless they're playing some kind of 27-dimensional chess that I that is too much for me to figure out, and I don't think they are, he came out against this executive uh, privilege gambit and the executive power power game and Uh he wrote an op-ed about it just just today Hmm. now there are others you know george conway kellyanne conway's husband i don't know what their game is (laughs) i'm sure there is one you know maybe good cop bad cop something but whatever yeah george conway is very very um connected in the right-wing legal establishment Mm -hmm. he is one of those guys and he he and a, a group, he has a group that he's going to, I can't think of the name of it at the moment, but he has created a group of legal thinkers, professors, you know, various members of the, the right-wing legal establishment that are, have come out against this, uh, you know, Trump and his, his power grab under the unitary executive theory. You know, I just don't know whether how much, you know, and you just, you just mentioned Emmett Flood maybe mm-hmm. kind of getting cold feet, Various others, it is not impossible for me to believe that the courts, that they may just see that the entire legitimacy of the Constitution is on the line here. And I don't, I don't want to apply any kind of good intentions to these people. You know, if you, <laughs> right. if you, are, a, if you are a person in the right-wing establishment, you have enabled everything that brought Donald Trump to us. You have a lot of answering to do, a lot of accountability at your feet. However, these guys are... They have lifetime appointments, and they do not have to worry about Republican voters. They may be the only people, Mm. officials in the Republican side, who have that little bit of wiggle room Mm. to maybe pull back a little bit. Interesting. And and we played at the top of the show uh, this clip from uh, uh, Lindsey Graham where we— well, let's go ahead and play it again because we can't can't play it enough. Uh, Lindsey Graham, who's now the head of the Senate— Judiciary Committee, who says he will not call in anyone related to the Mueller report. He won't call in Bob Mueller. He's done completely with it. Here's what uh, Lindsey Graham had to say back in 1998 while he was arguing for impeachment of, uh, of President Bill Clinton. Article 3 of impeachment against Richard Nixon. The article was based on the idea that Richard Nixon, as president, failed to comply with subpoenas of Congress. Congress was going through its oversight function to provide oversight of the president. When asked for information, Richard Nixon chose not to comply, and the Congress back in that time said, you're taking impeachment away from us. You're becoming the judge and jury. It is not your job to tell us what we need. It is your job to comply with the things we need to provide oversight over you. The day Richard Nixon failed to answer that subpoena is the day that he was subject to impeachment because he took the power from Congress over the impeachment process away from Congress and he became the judge and jury. (laughs) Sounds like 1998 Lindsey Graham just made a pretty compelling argument to impeach 2019 Donald Trump. He sure did and he's not the only one. You know, I just 
you know, you and I remember that, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yep. I do. And I remember Lindsey Graham in particular, two things about him during that. He was new to the Congress, in yep. that, in that, and that was sort of dumped on the judiciary and became a house manager, and it, that's how right. he made his name. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things he was known for in that trial was, <laughs> was that he ins- was insistent on finding out whether or not Monica Lewinsky had achieved sexual satisfaction, and he asked it over and over again, based upon some idea that, that, that Clinton's perjury was based upon his definition of, you know, sexual relations, which were defined in some way to having something to do with whether or not mm. the, you know, the people involved were sexually satisfied. And he went on and on and on. I remember thinking, oh, this guy is, he is such a creep. I mean, what he, he did, he had an instinctive knowledge that that's what the whole thing was about, but, you know, the dirty, dirty, dirty part of it. So he went for it. And of course, you know, now we have Ken Starr, I don't know if you heard, on, on, um, Fox News just today saying that he thinks that the Mueller report got into way too much detail. Oh, good Lord. Really? He actually said it. I I mean, I was... Do these people, you know, because we've been playing these uh, these clips (laughs) from Lindsey Graham and from these other people, even from uh, just from 2012 when they were uh, citing uh, Obama's Attorney General Eric Holder with contempt. Do these people not understand that C-SPAN actually keeps the archives, that we can actually go back and look at those things that they say <laughs> well you know I, what they yeah. don't care they don't care they're shameless absolutely shameless they have lost all capacity for any kind of you know being held to any standard they really have they can say one thing one minute and another thing the next minute and it has absolutely no effect on them i mean this comes from the fox news brain rot and the, the the knowledge that they have this base of voters and Graham is a perfect example because he comes from a state that really worships Trump. I mean the South Carolina mm-hmm. Republicans. If he didn't toe the line and just base just debase himself for Donald Trump, he probably would have had a a primary um, uh, you challenge, know, challenger well. and he probably would have lost. And because he has absolutely no honor and no integrity, he will do anything. It's keep um, from losing his seat, including destroying the Constitution. All so, right. Yeah. I want to ask you, because we've just got a few minutes left here, uh, speaking of impeachment and that excellent ar- uh, argument for it that Lindsey Graham just offered, <laughs> 1998 Lindsey Graham, uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi was asked about all of this during a Washington Post event this morning. Uh, let me play her <sighs> somewhat cryptic comments and, and, uh, and get your thoughts on this. The point is, is that every single day, whether it's obstruction, 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 obstruction of having uh, people come to the table with facts, ignoring subpoenas and the rest, every single day the president is making a case. He's, ma- he's becoming self-impeachable. So self-impeachable. Heather, I've just got a a minute or two here, but what the hell does that even mean? Can you help (laughs) me out? I have no idea. I don't don't know what, and and, and Pelosi really has me a little bit stymied, because I do understand her her idea that, you know, you want to lay out all the legal predicates before Mm -hmm. you get to, to impeachment. I understand that, but the way she has talked about it, I think, has not been helpful and I don't know what that means, and I don't, you know, the idea that, well, he's goading us into impeachment, which he, she said yesterday or the day before. Um, you know, I don't find her, her approach to this to be helpful. I mean, I get the strategy, but she's not, 
she's not uh, articulating it very very well. Well, if you get um, the strategy, can you explain it to me? Because I don't. You know, we had yeah. Ted, we had Ted Kalo on the show uh, uh, last week. He spent you know some ten years as the House Judiciary General Counsel, mostly during the W's years, uh, and he made the case. Uh, on this show that that made a lot of sense that this uh, careful, slow, even, you know, frustratingly, maddeningly slow process is actually the right one to take for Democrats so that they can dem- uh, demonstrate to a judge that they took every effort to try and accommodate the administration and its concerns, you know, before they go to court with things like contempt uh, mm-hmm. and so forth. But when it comes to so that I, I'm sympathetic to that. But when it comes to this impeachment, and her fear of even using the word, I, I, I just don't understand what she's trying to lay out. Well, y- y- I'm with you on that. I mean, I don't understand it. I mean, to the extent that I, I do, it's exactly what she said about the legal issue, that she feels that in order to, and I think she feels it on a political basis, that in order to get to impeachment, she has to prove that they tried every other way to do their oversight and they couldn't do it so now we have to get impeachment i don't think that makes any sense because the Mueller report alone well look you didn't even need the Mueller report to open impeachment hearings the guy is is an unfit Mm -hmm. you know corrupt (laughs) ignoramus and there are a gazillion corruption uh cases that they could have you know the campaign finance the the stormy daniels the thing that michael Cohen is now in jail for they could have impeached him on that alone tomorrow all of that is there and the minute they came in and the fact that they didn't have an actual plan in place to do that you know the republicans would have in their shoes they would have opened impeachment hearings the first day so i'm not i'm not sympathetic to that but i all i'm saying is that i understand i think what they're trying to do the problem is we don't have time for that as I told you, I think they're trying to run out the clock so they can start claiming, like, well, in an election, this isn't right. They're using the power, you know, using that as an argument against, and not that they can stop them from doing hearings, but it will create a whole new uh, argument against them that we're in the election season and we really shouldn't be doing this. I don't think they have time. I think they have to go, they, have, they need to move very, very quickly into impeachment. I mean, I have no idea whether or not they can remove him. Probably not. But... That, what's, what does that mean? I know? think, I think yeah, I know. It means nothing. They should do the right thing, whether the Republicans are willing to do the right thing or not, and stop giving veto power to the Republicans exactly. over whether they do their job. But so I do think they should hurry. That said, and really literally 30 seconds here uh, for you to just scare the hell out of everyone or put us all at ease. Uh, If this gets really bad for the president, whether it's impeachment or anything else, Heather, I have no doubt. You know, I'm looking around at the conflicts that he's already putting on the up on the table for us here from Iran to Venezuela to North Korea, China. I I don't believe he'd have any problem touching off a war with any of those folks if he felt he needed to distract the ultimate distraction from what is being done to him. Do you share that fear? Am I just way off base here? Sadly, you are not way off base. And he has John Bolton, warmonger, whispering in his ear. And if he feels, you know, he makes if he's looking at Fox News one day and it looks bad to him, I could easily see him just saying, yeah, go, you know, take it away, John. Or he actually calls him Michael Bolton. You know, take <laughs> it away, Michael. Uh, you know, d- do what you need to do. I, I have no doubt. With that, that in, that, and w- yet with that in uh, mind, you would still uh, say, damn the torpedoes, uh, impeach him anyway. Absolutely. It, more so than ever. At a girl. 
Glad to hear it. Heather Digby Parton, check out her work at salon.com, of course, at her own blog, digbysblog.blogspot.com, and on the Twitters at digby 5 Six. We're going to be talking to you a hell of a lot more in the days ahead, I fear, Heather. So uh, stand by for those phone calls. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, Brad. Much appreciated, Heather. Okay, I'm late. Some breaking news as I was talking to Heather there. We'll take a quick break and come back with that. And in our closing few minutes, I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. <laughs> Five major corporations now control more than 80% of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. We'll see. We'll see if they come tumbling down. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Here is that breaking news I teased uh, from Newsweek. President Donald Trump's eldest son, Donald Trump Jr., has reportedly been subpoenaed by the Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee. What? I know, over testimony that he gave about a Trump Tower project proposed for Moscow. Hmm. The report, uh, the reported congressional subpoena is the first to hit a uh, member of the president's family. Trump Jr. is being subpoenaed to speak about answers he gave to congressional investigators in the past about their Russia investigation. According to people familiar with the issue, uh, as reported by the Wall Street Journal on Wednesday. So interesting if, in fact, he lied to Congress uh, about the uh, Trump Tower Moscow project. Well, you know what? Uh, Michael Cohen just went to jail for for three years, in part for lying to Congress. Michael Flynn uh, Paul Manafort, all were found guilty of lying to uh, Congress and federal investigators. So this could get fun for Donald Trump. OK, we got to get out. We'll uh, pick that up when we can. I realize this is the worst possible time in the world for me to have family business. But yes, I will be on the road tomorrow. Angie Coiro will be in with a fresh broadcast thereafter. And I will be back with Desi Doyen after that. So uh, thank you for your patience. Until then, thanks to my guest today, Salon's Heather Digby-Parton, my producer Desi Doyen, and to you for spending at least a portion of your day or night with us. I hope it was worthwhile. You can, if you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. And if you don't mind, we uh, thank those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us put a few dollars into our Prius tank. We're going to need it. You can drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman, and I mean it. Good luck, world. Oh, oh, oh.